Reverend, with your permission, I'd like to make an announcement. Young man, this is a house of God. I understand that, Reverend. I apologize. The South Carolina militia is being called up. I'm here to enlist every man willing. Son, we are here to pray for the souls of those men hanging outside. Yes, pray for them. But honor them by taking up arms with us. And bring more suffering to this town. If King George can hang those men, our friends, he can hang any one of us. Dent Scott, barely a week ago I heard you rail for two hours about independence. And? Mr. Hardwick, how many times have I heard you speak of freedom at my father's table? Half the men in this church, including you, Father, and you, Reverend, are as ardent patriots as I. Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of men you are? I ask only that you act upon the beliefs of which you have so strongly spoken and in which you so strongly believe. Who's with us? needed most stop at only words is that the sort of men you are and as the character Gabriel said who is with us who is with us speaking boldly is a dangerous thing It's one thing to rail about something when you're with a bunch of people who agree with you. Although, obviously, it could suck you into something maybe you don't want to dive into. But speaking boldly when those who disagree with you will hear, that's uh, a whole other thing. For this will inevitably require action, maybe even sacrifice, like, say, those who spoke against King George. It could cost our lives. In 1776, the men of America had to decide whether they would speak and act with bold independence. And we are 
often taken aback by the strength of their resolve. Not just to fight. Their willingness to leave behind centuries of tradition. A pattern of life that their grandfather's grandfather's grandfather lived. They had moved to the New World to escape religious tyranny, which was a horrific, nominal, in in name only, politicized Christianity. Now they understood that to fully escape, they had to govern themselves independently as well. But what we must understand is that this bold declaration of independence was patterned after and was only possible because of one that was made more than 1,700 years earlier. One that broke with a tradition that had lasted one and a half millennia. 75 generations. The church's bold declaration of independence. Can't remember that one? (laughs) Let me read it to you. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God... You must judge, for we cannot but speak of that, what we have seen and heard. So just as the leaders of the new American nation declared independence for all the people of America, so the disciples of Jesus made a declaration for all the church. Now you may be thinking, "Uh, wait a minute, (laughs) that's it? (laughs) It doesn't seem like much, but actually this is a lot. It works like this. God himself set up the Aaronic priesthood as the way to hear from him. Later he added prophets. And yes, there were serious problems with this particular group of priests. But the system was what God himself had set up. You want to know what God says? Then you listen to the priests. And now Peter and John propose a different system. We hear directly from God. In fact, we are now on equal footing with you, priests. And and no, we should be more precise. What they're saying is, you priests get to be on equal footing with us. (laughs) Every man must decide independently what God is saying. Well, women too, but they weren't ready for that. (laughs) We'll come back to that later. All the work of God in this earth for us was to bring us to this point. Peter and John gave God's good news of Jesus Christ to those priests instead of the priests giving them God's word. We in America don't understand the enormity of this statement. It was a completely new concept the world had never seen before. Peter and John even say, we've already decided for ourselves. We don't need you to tell us what to think. And you have to decide, just as we have, what to do with this good news of the resurrection. Every person, including each and every priest, is personally responsible. This was an alarming and radical claim. So advanced was this thought that for the priests, it didn't sink in. (laughs) It will, (laughs) but it didn't yet. A startling and bold declaration of independence. But hey, you know, the leaders, they make a bold statement. What about the other followers of Jesus? Peter and John will now walk into the church and lay the choice before the people. Now they ask, who is with us? 
when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And how will their friends respond? Will they simply sit in their pews and hang their heads, unwilling or unable to stand up? No, they will stand and fight. Actually, they were already fighting. <laughs> but they knew that they needed help. And their request is, is breathtaking. Let's look at it. The church's petition for bold independence. The church immediately launches into a prayer that is nothing less than astonishing. It has three main parts. The recognition of who God is, a petition for his help, and acknowledgement of their dependence on him. Here it is. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Did you know that the recitation of who God is takes up most of their prayer? Who God is makes all the difference in how we speak and act. So what did they find important to remember? First and last, God rules. He is sovereign. Not the priests, although they were supposed to rule for God. Not, in 1776, King George although he, too, was supposedly ruling for God. Ultimately, in all cases, be it a Caesar or a president, God rules. Next, our faithful friends noted that God created everything that is. Missionaries consistently tell us how important it is to say, the God who created everything. Because if they don't, people say, oh, sure, another God, why not? <laughs> Just one more. Sadly, by the way, that's now often the case even here in America. But we know that everything that is owes its existence to God. Everyone that is owes their existence to God. He created every place and everything and everyone that goes in those places. He rules everything. He made everything. Also, they note how important it is to remember that the Holy Spirit gave us the scriptures and that prophecy is an assurance of the scriptures' validity. Hey, David wrote it down as the Holy Spirit directed him and what he said happened. We can trust the scriptures. God rules everything. He made everything. And he faithfully communicates with us. The Father, they further noted, gave us the Son. And this, of course, implies all that the Son did. His life, his death, his resurrection. And did you note that the Son is called the Anointed One? Every faithful Jew knew that the Anointed One gives life. The Son gave us life. Eternal life. The last and very encouraging point they make is that even if all the world stands against God, His will will be done. <laughs> Whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place, God is sovereign. He does rule. 
And we can be bold, and they pray, because our future is in the hands of a loving God. It's easier to be excited about a task when you know you'll succeed. (laughs) Don't you think? But here's a question for us. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? Because they don't realize or understand that all they do is predestined by God. Here's your first little side note. Do you ever notice that no one standing against the will of God is glad that God has planned everything and it is all in his control? (laughs) They don't want God's way. They want their way. And knowing God's way is what will be (sighs) cannot be a happy thought for them. I am glad it is for me. Hope it is for you. (laughs) God rules everything. He made everything. The Holy Spirit faithfully communicates with us. The Father gives us the Son. The Son gives us eternal life. And all goes according to His plan. God rules. So what is the importance in all this information about God? Why it takes so much time reciting it? Well, since we are on His side, and more to the point, He's on ours, This is all very good news for us. It's good to know who's on your side when you go into the battle. You want a God who is actually capable? Okay. They've given this tremendous recitation of who God is. Now they're ready to make their petition. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants safety. (laughs) Peace? Success? Power? Dominance over our enemies that you would crush our enemies. What would you pray for if you were threatened? Remember, these believers knew that just a few months ago, those priests' threats had materialized into the crucifixion of Jesus. So these are serious threats. Would you pray for your livelihood, your character, some talent or ability for your family and friends? Or would you pray to do your duty? And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. (laughs) What did Peter and John's boldness get them? Arrested. What happened the last time those priests arrested someone for bold speaking? A crucifixion. To ask to speak with boldness was to ask for strength to go to battle. These believers desperately wanted to be boldly independent, but they knew it could cost them their lives. So why ask? Because they knew it was their duty. Jesus told them to speak, to witness, and while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the end of the earth. Jesus told them to speak so they want to witness for him. You know, also because they are excited to tell others of the wonder of Jesus in their lives. But weren't they afraid? Yes, I'd guess so. But remember, courage does not mean the absence of fear. That's just, well, stupidity. Courage is correct behavior in the face of fear. The greater the fear, 
the greater the courage required to take action. So how did they get their courage? How could they ask for this boldness? I think we see that in the conclusion of their great prayer. While you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You think maybe they were real sure God was with them? (laughs) Okay, another break here. The word heal or healed. Peter healed the lame man. We'll read it shortly. In the same address to the chief priests and rulers, he ends talking about Jesus by saying, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The word saved is the same Greek word he used to say healed. The point is that the physical is an image of the spiritual. The physical mirrors the spiritual. The hand that heals is the hand that saves. In fact, the church's prayer could easily be translated, while you stretch out your hand to save, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Maybe it should be translated that way. Anyway, there's your fun fact for today. Heal and save in the New Testament are the same. Next time you read, you'll have more fun reading that. So, they were real sure God was with them. Because they knew, remember, who's in charge. They knew whose work this is. They knew God would carry them through because it was his work. And he has already decided how it will turn out. And to help them, God gave them examples Most recently, Peter's words to the priest. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We've talked about Peter's boldness some already and his focus on the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus. But where did Peter get his boldness? It hadn't been that long ago that he was running from servant girls. Where did he get his example? From Jesus, of course. In fact, Jesus used the same scripture earlier when the priests asked him from where he got his authority. What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour. They knew. Clear back then. They knew. They understood what he was saying. That the system, which they abused, was going away. And they, with their power, would be crushed by the inevitable change that Jesus brought. That's why they wanted to kill him. Peter didn't yet know back then... But he would when he was arrested. And as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit brought the words back to him. So here's Peter, standing in front of the very men who had Jesus killed, and it all floods back to him. I do wonder if they remembered Jesus using those same exact words. Anyway, 
Our point is, God is faithful in giving bold independence. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to... To what? Speak in tongues. Do miracles. Lead people to Christ. No. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. (laughs) To speak boldly in spite of the dangers. All the other things are God's work especially their salvation. We can only speak the truth boldly. God must and will do all the rest. We need to be bold in speaking of Jesus and let God take care of the rest. Even the conversion of those we love or the management of those who hate us, we still do have to talk to them. But they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak. What is filled with the Holy Spirit? When Luke describes it, it sounds like something falling on them, like rain on heads in Westport. But when Paul writes about it, it sounds like something you do. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not do this, do that. And then Paul goes on to give specific instructions about behavior, worship, music, prayers of gratitude, submission to each other because of Christ, etc. He goes on. In other words, you do these things to be filled with the Spirit. You do. But then, what about Luke's description of what happened? Actually, it's pretty easy. It takes two to tango. This is not a dance for one. This is a cooperative effort. Solely by the will of God, but something He allows us to do with Him. And we don't have time to consider it all. But understand that you do the things Paul instructs the Ephesians church, past what we read there, to do because you make a choice to be filled with the Spirit and because the Spirit lives within you and moves you to want to be filled by Him. (laughs) Okay. Back to our intrepid early church brethren. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. I wonder... Was the place shaken figuratively or physically? Was it an earthquake? Or was this such an intense moment it felt like everything was shaking? I mean, we can't really tell from the text. And this is the early church. God always brings special things into the beginning of, well, everything, especially the church. Was the building shaken? Well, for sure we can tell one thing. When the Holy Spirit is involved, things get shaken up. So do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, wait. Do you want your life shook up? God doesn't play games. To be filled with the Spirit means you will be boldly speaking. But you won't stop at just words. No, that's not the kind of person you will be. Your whole life will be shaken. You should be afraid of what being filled with the Holy Spirit means. In a good way, kind of afraid. Ask yourself, what will this boldness get you? How will it change your life? Well, thousands were saved when Peter and John were bold. Multiplied thousands believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. Their joy overflowed. They had great confidence. They had peace in the face of terrible storms of persecution. 
they were victorious in Christ. Unstoppable. And then, well, yes, they were also persecuted. But it was worth it. Why did that early church feel the need to ask for boldness? They were already speaking boldly, so why ask? They knew the bolder they were, the more opposition there would be. So they needed help. And God is sovereign. So they asked him for what they needed to do his work even more effectively. Is the answer to the church's woes, particularly in America, is the answer to the church's woes today boldness? Is the answer for this church boldness? Boldness to proclaim the truth even in the midst of troubles. Maybe we should just hang on and keep alive until... Well, until what? Peter and John, when they were on trial, were only supposed to defend themselves. Give us your defense. Why should we not find you guilty? That, that's all they were supposed to do. Instead, they boldly declared that they were independent from the priests and their system of judgment. Sorry, guys. Nice robes and all, but we just really don't care. <laughs> they were bold because of the resurrection of Jesus. What are you going to do? Kill us too? We'll just come back alive for a glorious new eternal life in a new creation. How about you? The church was afraid of persecution, but they were courageous. And they asked for boldness to be independent of that fear. They knew God rules everything, that He made everything, that the Holy Spirit faithfully communicates with us, that the Father gave us the Son, and the Son gives us eternal life, and everything goes according to His plan. Nothing is out of His control, even if the Gentiles rage, even if the rulers come against Him. Do we know that God rules? Do we know that God rules? Today we... Celebrate, I love this, the Declaration of Independence that led to the creation of our nation. A nation where we can freely and independently worship God. We have freedom from the tyranny of other people. Independence from those people. And I'm not just talking political freedom. We have spiritual freedom in Christ. And we have even more than that. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. The sure knowledge that we have eternal life. Is it not worth boldly sacrificing the things of this life to gain that life? What is it in your life that you really do need to sacrifice in light of the eternal life God has for you? We want to be independent of other people, and it's a good thing. But here's a truth for you to take home. The only way to be independent is to be absolutely dependent on God. Lay your life down. Stop trying to hold on to that thing you know you need to sacrifice. Let God, the Holy Spirit, fill your life. Do the things that fill your life with Him. Yes, your entire life will be shaken up. But your entire life will be better. God does know a thing or two more than you do. 
He's the creator. We're the creatures. So let us depend on him. Let us boldly declare our dependence. How will those that you love know if you don't speak, speak and act? Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of people you are? Live dangerously. Live boldly for Christ. And I think I might ask, who's with us? That's right. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we can stand up. And the war that we fight isn't as simple as the war that our forefathers and those mothers and women of that time had to endure. It's not as simple. It's much more much more in depth because it's a spiritual war. We don't shoot guns but the weapons that we have are greater than that. Because, well, basically they're you. (laughs) They're your son. They're your spirit in us. Lord, we, we need to be bold. We need to tell people about the resurrection of your son and why it's so important. There is no eternal life if Jesus Christ did not come back from the dead. There's nothing And we need to be able to tell people that. But the truth is, it'd be easier to run into a battle with bullets flying by us than to go into some places and tell people about your son rising from the dead. It's it's frightening. So we need your strength to do that. Your boldness. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us. So help us to know and to think about the things that we do to fill ourselves with your Spirit. Not like wine that carries us away, but by the Spirit who lifts us up. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.